show you. I'm gonna show you how to operate in the spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does your sun set high? Does your sun set high? Welcome. Happy Life Studios. Hey, are you happy? If you're not, then why? If you're not, then why? We're here to help your life be happier. Hello, my Happy Life family. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Hope the last couple weeks have been good for you. Man, I wish you could be here in the studio. Uh, with me. I'd enjoy it so much more if I was sitting around and we were just talking around the table. In fact, I have some plans someday of just getting a microphone and sitting in the middle of the table and bringing a bunch of the Happy Life crew around. And I think we're all part of the same team, the same family, going in the same direction, trying to make America happy again, trying to make ourselves happy again, make the world around us happy again, because like we always say, you know, make someone happy and you will be happy too. And I wish you were here, but... um, so in my mind, you are, and I'm having this conversation with you. Uh, I want to talk to you about um, by what standard do we measure ourselves by? By what standard do we measure happiness by? By what standard do we measure success by? Because I believe that this is what will cause happy or unhappy. I mean, this is a huge thing on, on our happiness is how we measure success or or. Uh, many other things in our life. Twenty-six years, nine months, and six days ago, I married my beautiful bride and my best friend. And we were on our honeymoon. We went snorkeling. And, um, you know, I was kind of surprised. I always thought snorkeling would be this great event, but I didn't like it that much. I was kind of claustrophobic when I put my head down there. But the story I want to tell you about is, <laughs> so we were feeding the fish. And it's a good thing my wife isn't up here because <laughs> she always has something to say about this. But there was a fish that she swears was like the size of a shark. She swears the thing had to be in at least... Um, you know, a foot or two. When she when she tells a story, she's like, it's it's funny to me because normally it's the guy that tells a story to his wife about how big the fish he caught. It was this big, you know. We were feeding these fish, and um, and uh, this one came up, and she said it bit her, and it did bite her. Uh, but she talked about how big this thing was. The thing was probably three inches long, but she swears it was like three feet long. I'm like, babe, it was three inches long, but I will give her this. If the, if that fish was three inches long, two and a half inches were the nose. I mean, I'm telling you, this mouth was gigantic. It was like a needle nose type fish. I don't even know what kind of fish that was. Um, we were in Hawaii for our honeymoon, so if there's anyone out there listening that knows what kind of fish I'm talking about, it just had a super long, like like a needle nose pliers. Its nose, this whole body was basically its mouth, and uh, it nipped her. And, and went <laughs> to hear to hear tell the story compared to me, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just hearing it in, in my head. And uh, anyhow, um, she talks about how big that fish was, just like. Uh, the fishermen usually do, and and not to stereotype at all, but I guess that's what I'm doing. But oftentimes it's the guy talking about the fish that he caught, and it was this big, or the fish that got away, it was this big. This summer I was uh, 
fishing at Camp Daniel. And I talk about Camp Daniel a lot. Um, This episode is actually brought to you by Camp Daniel. It's a camp for people with disabilities up in the north woods of Wisconsin. And I'm telling you, whether you're happy or whether you're sad, if you want to become happier, that is a place you need to visit. You can either come up and and visit the the campground and let them tell the story of how the campground, because they've been building this campground for 20-some years. One of the things that they do is um, they they run a camp for people with disabilities. And they they usually fill the camps up with like 50 campers. you got people that, that have physical disabilities, people that have mental disabilities, people that have social disabilities, people that have every level of disability um they they come together and it's just it's incredible you want to talk about a family man you want to talk about a community you want to talk about happy life uh some of the happiest people i've met is in that situation and to be honest with you um disability just means to be unable to do something and so i believe that we're all disabled in some form or another and i believe that we're all broken in some form or another just some people can hide it better than other people and when you're when your disability causes you to be in a wheelchair use a cane or or you stutter when you talk or you you can't talk how you'd like to it's obvious to other people what your disability is but a lot of people we can hide our disabilities behind bravado or behind I'm fine when in actuality we all are broken inside and I think we all probably feel a little bit broken inside and I think happiness comes from admitting the fact that I'm broken that I need help because I think that we're supposed to be in this thing together this happy life family is just so important because we need each other and I'm I'm brainstorming on ways that we can put together social media as a happy life community where we can get online because there's people from all over the world that listen to this thing wouldn't it be great if we could get online and talk about our happy day or something that made us happier or, or even talk about areas that we're struggling in and we could help each other out, encourage each other. We could connect with each other instead of just listening to a podcast and connecting that way. We can all connect to each other through just communication. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Uh, but this last summer, I was there for five weeks, and I was away from my home and my family for five weeks. And, and this year, I'm hoping I can raise some funds to um, bring my family with me, at least for a couple of the weeks. But I tell you what, it's a sacrifice my family is willing to make. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It's a long time to be away from home. But man, when you go to Camp Daniel, it just changes your life. When you when you look at these amazing human beings that, that much of the world honestly overlooks, it's, it's just kind of sad. So there's my plug for Camp Daniel, man. Come out and spend a day, spend a week, spend a couple weeks. You could be a counselor at camp. You could work in the kitchen. You could work. There's all sorts of areas that need we need help with. Or you could just come out and visit for a day or come out and visit the campground when it's not the summer and uh and you hear the stories of how this camp is being built it will just blow your brain away it'll just it's just so heartwarming and inspirational and and if you're if your happy level is low i'm telling you camp daniel has a way of shooting it through the roof it's just it's just amazing but i was out there uh fishing with a bunch of the campers this summer and had a couple of these old fishermen out there well i shouldn't call them old but um, they're my age, so they're young. Um, <laughs> but they're out there. They're out there, out in that sun every day. They love the fish, but they're out there putting worms on, taking fish off. I mean, and they did it every day in that heat, every day, day after day after day, week after week after week. They were out there, and it was, they would just, they just had the best attitudes. Um, by the end of the end of the camp season, they gave me this ruler, and I was wondering why they were giving me a ruler. And it, they said it's a fisherman's ruler. I'm like, well, what? A fisherman's ruler? I, I mean, a ruler's a ruler, right? Nope. A fisherman's ruler is a little different. It was a wood ruler, and it was about a foot long, and I didn't even think much about it until I really took a look at it. It was like a ruler, normal ruler that was a foot long, but when you looked at it, it was like 
two or three feet long in inches. When you look, you're like, wait a minute, how can this be two feet when it's, uh, and what happened? And I looked in the beginning and the, the inches are fine. They're like normal inches. But as the ruler goes on, the inches get smaller and smaller and smaller. So, so in other words, it, it's an exaggeration. So, you know, at six inches, you know, every half inch equals an inch on that ruler. It'll say it's an inch when it really isn't an inch. And by the end of that ruler, the inches are really small. So you can say, I caught a fish that was three feet big when it was actually only <laughs> one foot long. You know, that you know when people say stuff like, uh, well, he's a keeper. You know, we talk about, man, that guy's sharp. Boy, your kid is just an amazing kid or he's a keeper. Well, and then I always return with, well, to be a keeper, uh, you only have to be like 12 inches long because it, depending upon the fish, you know, you measure it and you catch a fish. And if it's not a certain length, um, you have to throw it back. And if it's a certain link, length, you can keep it. And uh, so when people say, well, she's a real keeper, I, I always reply smartly back with, uh, well, she only has to be 12 inches to be a keeper. But anyway, um, so that that's the standard that that if we measure according to a regular standard, that six inch fish is six inches. But if we measure according to the standard of the fisherman's ruler, that six inch fish is now a foot. Uh, several months ago, I was I was talking to a bunch of young adults, and we're all just hanging out, and and I just I asked them, I said. So tell me, and these are all young adults that were interested in, in God. They're interested in religious and spiritual things. And, and so we were hanging out, and I just said, hey, tell me, what? how close do you think? Talk to me about your relationship with God right now. Um, and God wants to have a relationship with us. That's why he made us. He wants to have a friendship with us. And, and I said, so on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say your relationship or your walk with God would be? And I'm telling you, as they went around the room, most of them didn't want to say anything. When they finally started talking, they were all pretty low. I think a six on a scale of one to ten, ten being a really good relationship, um, one being not much of a relationship at all. And most of them were, all of them were below six. And only one or two of them actually got to six. And it was a pretty full room. Uh, it was just a living room. But nonetheless, there was well, there was a couple dozen there. And as we're going around, I started asking them, I'll say, well, why do you say that? And they all said stuff like, well, I haven't been reading my Bible much or, or I haven't been praying much or I haven't. And all these things that we put on uh, of what it means to, to follow after God, right? To follow after Jesus, we, we put all these things on there. I haven't been going to church much. I have, I've been mean to my parents, all these different things. And, and there was one guy that was right next to me that was just thinking. And I always like when people are quiet, I want to know what is inside of their brain. Because the people that use the word sparingly usually have really good things to say. And if you're one of those people, we need you to, <laughs> to speak. And uh, finally, my friend said, I'd like to know what, what Michael thinks about this. And I said, that's exactly what I've been thinking for the last half hour. So, Michael, what do you think about all this? And he just was quiet again. He says, well... Hmm. <laughs> the silence just seemed, it was like the ruler. The silence is probably only 15 seconds, but it felt like two minutes long, right? And finally says, well, I'm, I was just sitting there wondering, by what standard do we measure these things? And I said, that is exactly the point. Have you ever put, have somebody put words in your mouth? Or have you ever gotten into a fight with your spouse or with a very close friend or your your parents or maybe your your children or something? And when it came down to it, when you really found out what was going on, um, you know, they misread something that you, you did or you misread something that they said. And that isn't what they really said at all. 
And I, I said, you know what, we, we have this concept with God about, about how's our walk with God. I said, but have we ever asked God what he thinks about how our relationship with him is, how our friendship with him is going? Because isn't he the standard? Isn't God the one who made us? If he made us, then he should know what that standard is. He doesn't have a jacked up ruler. He's honest and he's fair and he's slow to anger. And there's so much guilt that goes on what talks about God today. And it's just sad. The Bible says that God makes us glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice because God has made me glad. That's really what the, the deepest part of happy life is God is the one that makes us glad. That's why this is in the religion and spirituality section and not some other section because um, this is about God. God made us and he has a standard. He knows how we should live our life. He knows, and there are not just a bunch of rules, but they're things to help keep us and make us happier. So I said, off of Michael's direction, which I wanted to go anyway, but he was spot on it when he said, by what standard do we measure how our walk with God is going? I said, so let's ask God what he thinks, because sometimes I think we say, well, I'm a four, and, uh, or God isn't like me. I, I feel like oftentimes we make God in our image. You know, if I, if I struggle with myself, if I'm disappointed in myself, then I, therefore I believe that God is disappointed with me. And I think sometimes God stands there and says, I never said that. I never said that. I never felt that. Why don't you ask me what I think about you? And I'm telling you that uh, as you listen to this podcast, why don't you ask God what he thinks about you, what he thinks about your relationship? And if it's coming from an area of guilt, it's not God. Now, conviction is different. Conviction is um, like a good friend tells you you're doing something wrong and you can take it from them. Conviction says, this is, we can fix this. And you go, okay. But guilt says you just feel worse. The more you try to fix it, the worse you feel. Uh, Romans, I believe it's Romans 8, 1 in the Bible that says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when you're trying to follow after God, God's not a God wanting to beat you up with a big stick. That's not how he functions. God's a loving God. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. And he is a, he is a just God as well. And, and there are parts of God and anger is, uh, wrath is a part of God as well. But um, he's a God that's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. And he wants to tell us what he thinks about us. That's what it means to have a relationship with someone you talk. That's what it means to have a friendship with someone you talk. And the cool part is, is that I said, we're just going to ask God really quick. We're just going to take 30 seconds. You don't have to get into an emotional dither or lather. You don't have to work yourself up emotionally. You don't have to put on some slow music. You can do it right now. We think to talk to God, we've got to go through all these hoops. And I just think... It's silly. I don't have to do that when I talk with my boys, when I talk with my wife, when I talk with my friends. I don't have to say, hey, wait a minute, let me put on some soft, mellow music here and get myself in a mood so that we can talk. That's that. <laughs> I would never talk to my family. I think sometimes that's why people don't pray because they think they got to get into this emotional, you know, everyone in that room struggle with, most of them struggle with, I don't pray enough. Well, if you've got to work yourself up emotionally to pray, then then why would you? Right. But when you can just talk to someone, so I can be in a conversation with someone also, and I'll just say something to God and then go back. And people think that that's weird, but that's normal. That's how God originally invented it. When he invented man in the first place, when he invented woman in the first place, when he invented Adam and Eve, he walked with them and talked with them in their world. And so we just took in that room, we took, I said, I'm going to take 30 seconds, maybe a minute. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to say, God, what do you think about me? Because God might want to use your imagination. God speaks to us through our imagination. He really does. And then we're going to wait and see if we get an image in our head or a word in our head. or a, By a word, I mean like a sentence or like even a word like 
you know, I've had people do this before and they'd say they got the word, a girl got the word princess or a guy got the word valuable and things like this. And, and that means God is speaking that to you. And we often tend to think, well, that's just me. But when you ask God, he speaks. And then I said, so we're going to use our imagination. Then we're going to open our eyes and we're going to look around the room because maybe you need to see someone else in this room and how you feel about them is how God feels about you or, or, um, and, and I'm just telling you that if, if God is going to correct you, he's going to do it in a loving, gentle, but firm way. He's not going to do it in a, a big, I'm going to beat you over the head with a 20-pound King James Version Bible because God doesn't function like that. And so after we took about a minute and they did that, everything changed. The scale just went right up. The same people, same same living room, same time frame, but all of a sudden now their fours turned into eights. You know, one person said, I closed my eyes and I got the word, number nine. God just told that person, you're not a, you're not a two, you're a nine. And people were getting all sorts of ideas, images that were positive, that were all, and everything just changed. The whole spirit of that room went from, man, yeah, there's so much of following God that's all about guilt and we feel bad a lot. And, and that's how we get people to do stuff as we make them feel guilty. And that's how we control them. And, but when God speaks, man, it's love and it's joy and it's peace. And yes, there's times that God does correct us when we're wrong because a good, good father will do that. A good parent will do that. They'll correct their children. But a good parent also corrects their children in a way that the child goes, I can do this. Okay. I'm sorry, dad. I was wrong. I can do this. In fact, my son told me one day, he said, dad, you know what I love about spankings the most? I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> what do you love about spankings the most? And I said, what son? He says, is when you'd set me on your lap afterwards and we'd talk about it. And when God corrects us, he does in such a way when he, he, he corrects us and then he, he holds us and he loves us and he helps us. And, and so when God does something for us, when God wants to correct us, he always does it in a way that says, we can do this. Come on. We can do this together. So what standard are you measuring success by? What standard are you measuring how God feels about you by? By the standard of how you feel about yourself? Or have you asked God what he thinks about you? And I think that if we, you know, sometimes what really is success? Ask a person on their deathbed what success is, and it's going to be a different answer than a person coming fresh out of school or just starting a new career. It's going to be a different answer. And, and people on their deathbed don't wish they had more money when they were growing up. They, do, they don't wish that they had more success or they got a bigger title. They wish they would have spent more time with this person or they wish it would have been more giving to other people or taking the resources and bless people with or made people more happy. And to me, that's how you judge what success really is, is when you're at the end of someone who's at the end of their life looks back and says, now I wish I was just now to me, that's what success is. And it's not always about um, getting more respect or getting a, um, a bigger corner office. Success is about making people happy. Success is about being at peace yourself, being content yourself. That's what success looks like. So what standard are you measuring things by? Uh, we'll leave you with that, with that thought to think about. And maybe I'll come back next week and talk a little bit more about this topic. But until then, thank you so much for listening and being a part of this Happy Life family. Steve Ace.